Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC and Light 100.5 WRCH. This morning, we're catching up with Fran Rabinowitz. She's the executive director of the Connecticut Association of Public School Superintendents, CAPS. Good morning, Fran. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Morgan, and thank you for having me. I'm very happy to have you on the show because the upcoming school year is really just right around the corner. A lot of issues facing not just schools in the nation, but right here at home in Connecticut. That's what we're going to focus on. Fran, let's start off with uh, kind of a big question here. From your perspective, as we begin the 2023-2024 school year, what would you say the biggest issue is? Is it staff shortages? Is it something else? You know, Morgan, um, you raise, uh, you know, a really good question. I mean, there are many, many things um, facing superintendents as we begin the year. Um, we certainly want to place a lot of emphasis on um, improving the quality of teaching and learning. Um, how are we going to integrate artificial intelligence? But I think one of the major issues um, right before us is um, staff shortages. And I know people may be tired of hearing us talk about that, but it's real and it is something that we have to deal with before we can get to many of the other pieces of education that are incredibly important. I believe that the number last I knew, last I checked, was something like 2,000 total openings. That's for paraprofessionals and staff, and that's also for teachers. Is that about accurate from what you understand? Yes, I would say that is um, uh, a very accurate number. And I think that it's important to remember that that includes, um, you know, certainly our certified educators in all areas, but also our paraprofessionals who absolutely um, fill a vital role. And without them, um, we have real gaps in um, our uh, systems as we move forward. What is it that the administrations of public schools here in Connecticut can do about this lack of teachers, the shortage, the many positions that are opening? And I'm thinking back just to last school year, the 2022 to 2023 school year, when Schools were opening, and they didn't have teachers 
for classes that they needed. And uh, it was sometimes into the school year, two, three months, when those vacancies were actually filled. So what can an administration do from your perspective to deal with this problem of having a shortage of teachers? Well, there are a few things. Number one, um, August um, 11th should not be uh, when um, superintendents and administration are thinking about this. And I don't think it is when they first started thinking about it. I think you're thinking about it from the January before. And, you know, there are many things that we do um, to um, ascertain where our shortages are going to be, et cetera. And I think that's really important. For example, you look at, um, well, who is um, who might retire at the end of the school year? And can we anticipate that? retirement um, so that we can begin to look and market our school system. And to be honest with you, Morgan, it has come down to marketing the school system. Um, you know, I, I do believe that um, in this country, um, not just the state, but in this country, we are suffering um, at the foundational level um, on a respect for the profession, a respect for the knowledge and the skills and the dispositions it takes to be successful in this profession. I think in many cases, sometimes people think, well, I went to school so anyone can teach. That is so far from the case. And I do think we are we are not attracting people to the profession because there is fundamentally um, that lack of respect. I think when, when superintendents are marketing their district, that's one of the foundational pieces that they have to talk about. We respect our professionals. We want our professionals to be successful. And here are the things we have in place to ensure that you will be successful that you will be part of our mission and part of our team, that you will receive compensation um, to the best of our ability, and that our working conditions um, will meet your needs to be successful. There are a number of things that you said there that I found interesting, and I'm going to go back to one of the first things that you said, which was anticipating retirements, right? And I'm yes. going to go back. Uh, I'm 27 years old. And so I'm going to go back a decade to when I was in high school, right? And we always knew who was going to be retiring, or we weren't surprised when we heard one of our favorite teachers was retiring because they had been with the district for, say, 30, maybe 35 years, okay? Or they had been teaching that long. Or, you know, we knew that they were in their, say, 60s, for instance. However, I am hearing more often now about teachers that are saying, well, okay, well, we're 20 or 25 years in and we can leave or retire or go on and do something different or go to another district. And they're younger. They've been teaching a lot less than somebody who might have been obviously teaching 30 or 35 years. So, Fran, can an administration today in 2023 anticipate who's going to retire and leave by the end of the year? Well, you can if you offer an incentive, um, and we did that. Um, you know, I, I I know we live in the um, in the era of staff shortages, but I still think it's important to anticipate who's going to retire. Um, and I'm not saying that you 
incentivize them to retire um, because I would not, especially my very good teachers, I would hope that they'd stay at least 35 years. But uh, in January, um, you could say, if you tell me you are definitely retiring, I can add this. To your um, to your package when you retire, you know maybe it's a thousand dollars, maybe it's another payment or a payment toward health insurance, whatever it is. The reason for that is just being able to anticipate, especially in the hard to fill areas, where I might need to um, um, to go out and recruit. Um, and I, it worked very very well in the districts that I was in. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in urban districts and in, <clears throat> in Bridgeport, the superintendent did that every year. Another thing that you mentioned just moments ago, and I'm speaking with Fran Rabinowitz, the executive director of the Connecticut Association of Public School Superintendents. Fran, you talked about a little bit certification, recruiting new teachers, getting teachers into the schools that are actually qualified to teach. Just because you went to college, doesn't mean that you'd be a great teacher. That's something that you just said there. And so how do we, or how do our schools actually go through this process of recruiting and making sure that somebody is a good teacher and it's not just having the certification, but actually the skills of being in a classroom. So how are your administrators looking into that? Um, I think that's a great question. And I do believe that Um, You know, uh, the Commissioner of Education, Charlene Russell Tucker, has put together a certification council that will meet for the first time at the end of August. And um, frankly, there is needed change in the certification process. I, I, you know, without a doubt, we need to streamline it. We need to not lower standards in any way. but perhaps there are some courses that are no longer relevant and some other courses that need to be put in. And we need to have focus groups to hear from early, um, um, early graduated teachers about that. We also need more hands-on learning. Um, I was talking uh, yesterday to a, um, a group about teachers who are well-prepared, and they were teachers who were able in their program to do internships in school districts. Those were the teachers I wanted to hire because I felt like I already knew them. And so I think we need to work on that um, far more than we are and offer um, them more long-term internships during their um, teaching program to ensure that they have the skills, knowledge, and dispositions to actually teach. And are you hearing from administrators that this approach is working better, or are they looking forward to, say, the Certification Council beginning at the end of August? Yes, they are so looking forward to it. And they're looking forward to giving their input on what they believe um, is a well-prepared teacher coming into their school district. Uh, For example, you know, I spent many, many years in Bridgeport in teaching and administrative positions before being um, interim superintendent for three years. I can tell you, I was in charge of the new teachers. 
um, they came in and they were so enthusiastic and felt so good about um, coming in um, to the school system. Um, many of them did not have the um, skills and knowledge needed to um, to teach reading, for example, in the early grades. They didn't understand the science of reading and how to integrate that. That's a very important piece to have in the um, teacher prep programs. And it needs to be uniform across Connecticut. This is what we know about reading, and this is what our teachers need to come into the classroom knowing. The other piece is, of course, um, they need to be aware of um, the different ways to de-escalate um, any type of behavior problem that um, they're faced with, and they need support to be able to um, do that effectively. Another thing that we're hearing a lot about, Fran, these days is teacher pay. And you have the CEA saying that they're looking for a salary, a starting salary for new teachers at around $60,000 a year, which is about more or less $15,000 more than what some districts are offering as minimum now in Connecticut. And thinking about Connecticut, you've got affluent towns, you have major cities, and you have some suburban towns as well. And so you're looking at a totally different playing field when you look all across Connecticut because not one school district's the same. So how does your administration respond under your watch that they're hearing about we need to pay teachers more? What are they saying? Well, I do believe that, you know, I think the average um, starting salary is at 48000 And in many cases, the salaries in our most challenged districts, both urban and rural, are the ones that are lower. Um, and I do think um, $60,000 is reasonable. I mean, that's at the federal level, you know, Secretary of Education is um, promoting that as well. And I do believe that we need to find a way as a state to um, help with that. You know, in the late 80s, we had the Enhancement Act. Um, I think we need to look at that. But I think, honestly, we're short-sighted if we stop stop there because I do think salary is important. I told you I felt respect for the profession is important. Um, that's manifested in salary. But I would be remiss to say that that would solve the issues because I don't believe it will. I believe working conditions are incredibly important. When I was interim superintendent in Bridgeport, I hemorrhaged teachers, and I'm very honest in saying that. Um, and I hemorrhaged them to districts, certainly, that were paying more. But when I did my exit interviews with them, they said to me, you know, superintendent, we want to feel successful, and you're not setting up the conditions here um, for success. And I didn't have the resources to do that. And, you know, when you have 28 kids in a classroom, with um, tremendous needs, both academically, socially, and emotionally, and um, you don't have interventionists or reading teachers or math teachers, um, you are setting up those teachers for failure. And I, I understood it perfectly. So, you know, when I talk with CEA, with Kate Diaz, I'm 100% on the, um, the compensation, but I can't 
I have to say we can't stop there. And when you say working conditions, I just want to clarify that a little bit because um, I know that in the last few months there's been talk about more school districts adding air conditioning, for instance, they're getting money for that. But there's so much more to me about working conditions, and one thing that comes to my mind is security in schools. Yep. So how would you describe working conditions that you want to see improved? Yes, I describe working conditions as everything. My my base of talking about working conditions is a is a classroom, whether that be at the elementary, middle, or high school level. Number one, um, teachers have to be safe and comfortable. And so, do I believe that we should have air conditioning in the schools? Yes. Do I believe? I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had to close down individual schools in Bridgeport because they were just too hot, all right, and send children home, which is a travesty. So do I believe we should have air conditioning? Yes. Do I believe uh, children and teachers need to feel safe with security? Absolutely. How a school district does that is, um, is their choice. I had phenomenal success with um, school resource officers and partnerships with the department with the police department in any district I was in that it's almost like Maslow's law that is the bottom rung you've got to have that there the other pieces are um, you want that teacher to feel that they are um, doing and able to do whatever they can to ensure the success of every child and every teacher wants that but if you have 28 children in a first grade classroom and you're trying to teach reading and have your guided reading groups and so on and so forth and you have some social emotional um, behavior that's out of control and no one to turn to um, that's an issue and so I think that that is um, um, something we really do need to look at carefully. Everyone knows it, but we're not doing a whole lot about it. I want to talk about school safety for a moment, another working condition, and I specifically want to draw on Waterbury Public Schools. I had Superintendent Verna Ruffin on the show a few months ago when she was dealing with a number of threats against the schools that disrupted classrooms. There was a student that had a weapon on them. There were parents that ended up breaching the building. So there were a lot of problems there in Waterbury, just to sum it up. And so my question to you as the executive director of the Connecticut Association of Public School Superintendents, what can be done to make sure that school security and maybe a reduction in threats happens or perhaps a change in response to threats because it seems Waterbury was struggling there, but maybe there are lessons other districts could learn from Waterbury and maybe there are lessons Waterbury could learn from other districts. What's your perspective? So my perspective may be different than what you um, um, are thinking. I do believe that we need to um, lay a foundation with all of our children in our communities on um, social and emotional development. Honestly, where do those threats come from? Why do they come? Um, And if we keep um, just um, reacting to threats, um, it's just not going to be enough. Frankly, if I get a threat at a high school in the morning that something is going to happen in that high school, I have got to, in, in good conscience, 
clear that high school if the police department determines it's a viable threat. But there is so much more that needs to be done um, to change the culture of the community and of the school so that we can lessen those um, threats. We need to have high standards on what we believe is um, good, acceptable behavior and really ways to intervene with the students that we know um, have some major issues. And I think that's what's not happening and happening well. We're not intervening on a, um, on a proactive level enough in mental health services, in, um, in smaller class size so the teacher can establish relationships. I can't tell you how strongly I feel about the power of relationships, the power of a student in Waterbury, Bridgeport, Farmington, um, Simsbury, knowing that there is an adult in that school that really cares about them, wants them in school every day, and believes in what they bring to the table. Fran Rabinowitz, Executive Director of the Connecticut Association of Public School Superintendents. Fran, we're down to the last few minutes here, and I'd like to introduce you to someone special in the studio. His name okay. is Nico. He's one of our interns here at WTIC. He's been sitting in and observing the um, interview here. Nico, say hi. Hi, Fran. Hi, Nico. It's very nice to meet you. Yeah, great to meet you as well. So um, we've heard that there is a lack of teachers wanting to advance from the classroom to school administration. And what are you hearing specifically about this issue? Fran? Oh, Nico, what a great question. So let me tell you what I think about that. I do believe that we do not have enough teachers who are willing to become administrators. We certainly don't have enough administrators who are willing to become superintendents. I think one of the things that we need to do is market ourselves better as administrators and superintendents. Sometimes we fall into the trap of being so overwhelmed with so much of our work that we say, oh, you don't want this job. This is a really tough job. Um, I have to say to you that the superintendency was a job, uh, well, I, don't, I look at it as more than a job, a position where you have the greatest influence in the world, and it's just so important. And I think we need to impart that to our teachers, um, not just by words, but by actions, by, um, by really showing them that we love the work that we do um, and that we are there to serve others um, and that we get a lot of personal satisfaction from serving others and that we care about everyone and care about the people that are in our um, in, entrusted to us. And I think when you show that, when you demonstrate that, when you um, demonstrate your love of what you do, you will attract more people. But I, I agree with you that it's an issue right now because I think we've been through COVID, we've been through lots of conflicts, um, you know, et cetera. And I think that we tend to, talk about the negative rather than the positive. Do you ever talk at universities? I believe like the University of Connecticut offers courses that help people who are teachers currently 
go into administration. So do you ever help recruit for the universities or do you ever speak on behalf of the superintendents to people who might be interested? I do. I uh, Many times I'm asked to speak at, um, you know, many of the teacher prep programs. I'm on the board at one of the um, uh, two of the teacher prep programs. And I think that that is incredibly important. And just as you have an intern right now that's learning on the job, that is what is more needed in um, in university district partnerships. I could go on about that forever um, because I think they need to see firsthand um, just how wonderful the job can be. Fran. I hesitate to call it a job, a career. Fran, thank you so much for coming on Face Connecticut this morning. I really appreciate your time and your insight. And I appreciate being asked to come. Thank you so much. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 